Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot round! I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you gonna get me the oh, ball? Oh, I'm getting the ball! Get me the ball! I hope he didn't kill somebody. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I got a whole lot of money. Tell it for me. Bottle keep popping that water bath. It's the day after Christmas. It's the last 11 personnel of 2019. And it's almost Belk Bowl time. Adam Luckett, how are you doing today? It's the moment we've all been waiting on. Belk Bowl. You ready to go, Charlotte? I am. So, here's, I'm going to peel back the curtain a little bit. I did about zero looking ahead to Charlotte until today. Because part of it is... You haven't booked the hotel yet? Okay, I'd done that. I'd got the hotel. I'd kind of figured out my loose schedule, which, you know, I can kind of tell you how that's going to go down um, with, like, their activities and stuff like that. But I had put off a lot of, like, prep stuff until now because it was a sprint to signing day. And then, you you know, you got a lot of Christmas stuff. And the interception in the walk-ons... Bistro and Bar, Independence Bowl, which that's what's going to be beautiful. Quick, quick note on this game. Manny Diaz was a defensive coordinator for Dan Mullen at Mississippi State. Lost to Florida first game. Defensive coordinator for Mac Brown at Texas. Lost to North Carolina. He was a defensive coordinator for Skip Holtz at Louisiana Tech. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're down 7 nothing. What's it, third oh, quarter? Yeah. And and Tech Jeremy Williams just threw a pick. Yeah, so we're going to be giving you updates throughout this because it's the one good thing we have about this next week is bowl season. And this bowl game has been electric. We've got mm-hmm. to see Tathan, mm-hmm. my favorite quarterback ever, dancing around trying to make people miss and realizing, like, ooh, you're not that fast, buddy. It's Keep. a it's a warm-up tonight. It really gets going tomorrow, Friday the 27th. Dude, Cheez-It Bowl? Mm-hmm. Holy crap, that game's going to be electric. Washington State, Air Raid versus Triple Option of Air Force. It doesn't get any Clash of that. styles. And then you've got some good games tomorrow. North Carolina Temple kicks it off, but you also got Oklahoma State, A&M, two little big 12 foes. That'll be fun. I mean, as long as – Clash of Styles, Michigan State, Wake Forest. And then there's one other – oh, Iowa, USC. Ooh, that'll be good. That's a – you don't want to lose that one, Clay Hilton. Try to get some momentum going in the offseason. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, and four games on. The is, I was going to punch him in the face. They're a bunch of pretty boys versus Iowa Oh, yeah, they're chomping at kids. Yeah, they're chomping at oh, the bit to play that one. Yeah, is that the Sun Bowl? Holiday Bowl. So, that's Holiday at like Bowl. 8 yeah. o'clock tomorrow yeah. night. Or Friday yeah. night, you'll be listening – the listeners will be here uh, on Friday. Yes, yes. I'm excited for that Friday slate of games. So you can kind of laugh at us reacting to that game as it's happening. But as I said, it was just a lot of getting to Christmas parties last week. I think I had starting Friday night. This is the first time since Friday I haven't had at least one, sometimes two Christmas parties 
to attend. So it's kind of my voice is going. I'm screaming at my family because that's what we do. Um, we just scream at each other, play games and scream. How was uh, how was Vegas? Vegas was fun. I, all right. Other than the game. I got to give you credit for something because you, sir, had a tweet that should be in the Twitter Hall of Fame. And that I think I know where you're going. <laughs> that tweet was it, – it's it, the Venn diagram for it, it's a very narrow Venn diagram, but it is the most perfect tweet in the history the of this website. Few people in the circle have to know. <laughs> it is from the Kentucky-Ohio State game, and that is – College basketball officials love calling charges more than Oklahomans love Texas Roadhouse. That's a lot of love. It's <laughs> a lot of love. Because if y'all, Oklahoma, uh, where Adam Luckett was born and raised in the south side of the Jefferson County, there's a Texas Roadhouse on the corner of Outer Loop and I-65. It is the busiest Texas Roadhouse in America. Mm-hmm. They, it was already big, and they had to blow out a wall and expand it, and it's still always busy. Because Oklahomans, they from, love their Texas Roadhouse. From open to close, every day of the week. Snow, shine, wind, or rain. Doesn't that matter. That place is always packed. So, and it's a big joke, yeah, for us that live out there about how packed it is. But that just was the the perfect storm. And, and because yep. of, we got a little rough show at the beginning of that game. Oh, yeah. And then it, it just, you know, sometimes you have your moments where it just hits you. Mm-hmm. And that was a moment. Didn't you have – what was yours? You uh, you had one where you went at – was it with Donovan Mitchell? Or you went at bat at a player, I think? Or was uh, Lamar that – Jackson. Lamar Jackson. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. TJ you, was Donovan Mitchell, I think. Yeah, yeah, TJ yeah, went after right, Donovan Mitchell. Right. Um, but, you know, so you sometimes you just hit home runs, and you hit a home run with that Texas Roadhouse tweet. I'm actually so inspired. I'm getting Texas Roadhouse after this podcast. So – Big Actually, big night in the Roadhouse. One, one of the gifts was a Texas Roadhouse gift card. That's what we're doing. We're using Send them gift cards. There you go. We got because you got to get. You just got to change things you, up. Well, a lot you're of in, holiday ham. You're, you're in the sweets. middle of between. You know, should I get the the the, the gift cards that's burning a hole in my wallet, mm-hmm. or should I, you know, take care of all these leftovers that I've got a gazillion of? And so the, you're kind of in that weird that weird medium right now. It's one of those things where like I got to. I got to get off the leftovers for a little while because I can tell I'm getting fat just based on. Like, do y'all do the same food for Thanksgiving as you do Christmas? No, no, no. We do different. But when you go to all the different parties, it's the same kind of food. Right. And I got to tell you, look at in my older age, I've come to realize that my favorite part of holiday parties, shrimp cocktail. I don't know what it is, but there's like three or four now. That like I just it's I go back to that well, and if I don't have five, then have I even lived? No, no. And it it tastes so good with bourbon. You get the little horseradish. Ah, oh, so good. So I'm just I, I I could tell I I didn't step on the scale today. I know that I've passed a new milestone in the his a new a new PR. Pants are fitting a little tighter. But it, it's really this hat. I'm wearing a, a Power K hat. It's not really a power K. It's close enough. But a hat that I got, it's the only fitted hat I have. Got in college. It's, it's a lot tighter. I haven't worn it in a while. <laughs> and when your head's getting fat, that's when you're getting too fat. So, I guess uh, I hope the, the media hotel has an exercise room because I need to get on an elliptical, which that is the official workout of football guys, the elliptical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Low impact. I messed with the elliptical. I was. I thought you were going to go with bloggers. 
No, football guys. Because, okay. like, the coaches, you know, they, they watch film all on the Olympic Right, school. right. Yeah. Two yeah. things at once. Exactly. Which I'm sure they've been doing a lot of this week. Um, getting ready for Virginia Tech. We can talk more about the fun bowl games and all that stuff later. But we got to start with the meat and potatoes of this podcast, and that's previewing the Hokies in the Belk Bowl. And, you know, we've been having a lot of fun. You were out winning money. Did you win any money in Vegas? No. We were going to – if Kentucky would have won that game, we would have won probably a couple hundred bucks. Mm. But that went the other way on us because I actually did hit on Washington pretty good chunk you had a, for the Las Vegas Bowl. Do you have a money line on uh, Kentucky as ever was? Yeah, we bet the money – put a pretty good That's, chunk on the money that was line. The, that, was the, that was the play to make too. A couple units. God. It, well, you got to – I mean, that, if you're going to go out there, you might as well do it. You know? Also, but is, we, it, is it hard for you to flip the switch for basketball? Like to get to get really into it. Obviously, you're at the game, so you're going to get a lot more hyped, right? But the atmosphere—it's kind of weird there because the arena just feels empty. They, cause did they block off the top? They blocked off an end zone, okay. one of the end zones. It, but there's just open seats everywhere. Now you have to remember a lot of North Carolina fans, you know, are bouncing as soon as that game's over. But, right, right, right. But it just—it just feels kind of—it feels empty, I guess. Is what you were saying. There was you, know, you get rowdy were, fans, but it's not like, you know, a mm-hmm. uh, big right. game. Everybody's having a good time drinking the $17 beers, whatever they were in there. <laughs> but, I don't know. There's just not that, I guess, that juice that you would expect. In a yeah. Like that. I heard that, like, two years ago when they played North Carolina out there, everybody talked about how awesome that was. Yeah, that yeah. Ended. But my, I didn't get the same sense at all in this one. I still give my buddy hell because he ended up playing craps with Roy Williams after the game. Mm-hmm. And it was like, dude, how do you not talk trash to Roy? I mean, like, oh, I yeah. get it. You're at the craps table. It's different. But you got to be like, so uh, could have fouled him, you know. Could have fouled Monk. <laughs> I mean, no, you could have put him. Oh, I saw line. him after the game. Yeah, after the game at the craps table. Like I would have been John a little bit, but there's also a like respect the the casino, the sanctity of it. You know, right, right. Because you also don't want to avoid pass. Like he he played it cool enough. Oh, oh, oh no, oh no, you idiot! Six oh. minutes, he whiffs so bad. Oh, is he gonna go all the way? Oh wow! Oh! I don't know. That was even. Oh, oh man, I'm so Louisiana <laughs> Tech threw an interception on a screen pass to Miami. I believe it was fourth down, like around the fringe of the red zone. Oh yeah, they were just getting ready to get Sebastian scoring is going nuts. And Miami, yeah, they were in the red zone. Yeah, almost, wide receiver screen just jumped it. Almost goes the length of the field. He ends up lateraling it when he's about to get tackled. Oh, that. Oh, uh, it's close. It, but it's they got it all the way down inside their own 30. What a crazy, stupid, awesome, dumb afternoon Let's bowl Let's see game. how Miami messes this up. Man, shout out to, of all the bowl games I watched last week, that Kent State one was electric to watch. Yeah, I was on the wrong side of that one, but that was a fun game to watch. It was fun. Yeah, I was on the wrong side of that too, but it was fun to watch right. that one. Um, the first ever bowl one too, Kent State's. Coming to the Croak next year. Yeah, they're they're, they're not, one of them. Yeah, it's uh, Kent, I knew Eastern Michigan. Kent was one. and uh, the Emus. We open with the Emus. Yeah, get a little Brandon right. Bros matchup. All right. Hashtag Brandon Bros. Um, but yeah, I just during that game, look at I. My wife's family's all Ohio State fans, and yeah. I'm hanging out with them beforehand. Are they like, like big basketball fans too, or is it just kind of like it's Ohio State? You know, so we'll cheer for them. One, yes, they because like. Uh, one of her cousins is actually – or two of them are still at Ohio State, has season tickets to basketball. Oh, yeah. So, like, 
And they were, if they didn't have that Christmas party to go to, they were going to Vegas. They're actually going the next day because they have family out there. So they were some big Buckeye fans. Right. And they're kind of talking a little bit, but not too much because I'm wearing my UK Santa hat. Was, of course, I had to. <laughs> and just no, going into that game, I, I, I kept telling them, like, oh, it's not going to happen. Not, you know, y'all are going to – Ohio State's going to win. Ohio State's going to win. And then I get to watching the game, and it's just brutal. It's, it's just it's just ugly basketball. And I, I think it might be easier for me to flip the switch if it was pretty basketball, but it's not, it wasn't. It's like, make shots. It's hard to, to get – to flip that football switch, like you say. Because once you – flip it it's you know it's over yeah and i don't want to flip it yet right and 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 you know what my biggest thing is like it is i know what to expect from your university of kentucky football wildcats this is how we're gonna make the full segue over because i know that kentucky is gonna line up and run the damn football that's right they're gonna run the ball they're gonna possess it they're gonna get after the quarterback on drop back pass they're gonna stop the run and basically that their whole goal is to control the ball, control the ball, and then try to make you get big plays on. Try you got to be explosive against Kentucky to have a shot because they'll, they'll, they'll give up a couple. Right. It's Which, a big play project at its core. Kentucky's big big play prevention. Make a team go yeah. 12, 14 plays, and make them go long fields. Don't give them short fields. Make them earn points. Punt to win. Punt to win. And if you have to, when I looked at this team on paper, I kept trying to, I was doing this thing like it where I was like, I was trying to, I was going through the stats and just in each of all the different categories and I'm trying to figure out, all right, what the hell is Virginia Tech good at? We got Bud Foster and his lunch pail. We know about his lunch pail. It's his great defense. They're just average at pretty much everything. Like I'm, I struggled to find one thing. They're an ACC team. <laughs> in. And this year, they won eight games, and they got hot at the end of the year. Hendon Hooker is the guy they put in, and they went went on a nice little six and run with him as a starter. And they play complimentary football. They get it from both sides. But when you look at their numbers and when you watch the tape, they're, um, they're a bowl team. They they deserve to be a bowl team. Mm-hmm. No, no doubt about that. But they're no, not a team that's going to wow you in any one specific way. Like, I didn't – like when I when I went to dive in, I was thinking Hooker maybe. You look at his size; he's like six four, two thirty. I was like, he's a big they're, dude. They're gonna yeah. run the ball. Maybe he's gonna bowl some people over. I didn't really see that. Mm-hmm. They're an offense that they want to have balance, but they want to lean run heavy. Even they average forty four point three runs to twenty four point seven passes, but they play at a quick tempo. They only had a couple games where they had less than seventy snaps, so they want to they want to kind of move fast, but. They're inefficient in the run game, but even with all that, they do that so it allows them to take deep shots. And that's one thing they have done well is when you look at them, that Hooker's averaging 10.3 yards per attempt on 140 passes. So that tells me they're getting a lot of big plays through the air. And then you just look at their receivers, and a lot of their receivers are averaging, you know, over 15 yards per catch. So that's the big thing, but it plays into Kentucky's hands, I think, right there. Because what Kentucky does best – is that pass defense and prevent big pass plays. Yeah. So I think that plays to Kentucky's strength. And then when you look on the other side of the football for Virginia Tech, first thing that jumps out is they have nine defensive linemen that have recorded at least 15 tackles this year. 
So they have depth on that line of scrimmage. They're, ro- they're rolling dudes. They're in not there. super huge, and none of them really impresses you that much. But they're rolling guys in and out. And then when you look at the run stuffers in the middle, both inside linebackers are over 230 pounds. They play a 4-2-5 scheme, but they have two big safeties over 220 pounds, and they have a nickel who puts up Mike Edwards-type numbers where he's defending the run, defending the pass, making a lot of tackles. So it's going to be a challenge for Kentucky. Is that Diablo? Diablo is their free safety, Devon Diablo. Uh, Their nickel is Chamari Connor. 62 tackles, 10 tackles for loss, 8 pass breakups, 7 quarterback hurries. 211 pounds. So, that that guy and Ashby. Uh, Rayshard Ashby. Yeah, which mm-hmm. I – Second team all ACC. I typed that name four times a day. Mm-hmm. Still can't get it in my big thick skull. But dude has 14 and a half tackles for loss. Mm-hmm. I mean – And 10 of them were on run plays. So, then he had four and a half sacks. So, he does it both ways in the pass and in the run. And then Freddie wrote a good piece on him today. He's mm-hmm. he's a bowling ball of an inside linebacker. He's I think he's listed at 5'8". And that might be five eight or five nine, and that might be pushing it. So two hundred, I think he's two hundred thirty-seven pounds. Yeah, he's just you know a ball, a ball of momentum rolling towards you, and he is you know I think the biggest key to their defense because we've seen in this Kentucky offense when they have when defensive linemen have been able to hold up blocks that's allowed some interior linebackers Daniel Petuli at Tennessee, mm-hmm. Nick Bolton a little bit from Missouri. David Reese, even before Bowling Ball with Florida, it's allowed them to collect a ton of tackles. And this is a guy that on paper should be able to collect a lot of those tackles if Kentucky's guys inside guard center guard aren't able to get moving and get to the second level. Yeah, and if you look at – in that piece, Freddie said he was a key – he looked at some of that Virginia game to see how they were mm-hmm. successful. Um, the only thing with that Virginia game is a lot of that – Bryce Perkins' run game is a lot of draw and scramble, QB scramble, where Bolton it's going to be a little bit different. And yeah, Bolton's going to run yeah. in between the tackles more. Well, But, yeah, I mean, I think his point there, though, was Ashby has some athleticism, I guess you would call restraints. Yeah. So, if he's having to go out and not make pack, you know, plays inside the box – that should be a Vance Kentucky. A right. right, right. If you can get out, get to the edges. And I, I'm, I'm struggling to remember what game it was in Bowdoin Ball. I don't think it was the first, the Arkansas game. I think it was the first one. Mm-hmm. But it was one where they, they, they did a good job trying to get out of the edges. I could see them – if – Kentucky has the ability to do that, if need be. Mm-hmm. But you're also facing a four-two-five team that's got a bunch of DBs, so you right. should be able to run right at them. Mm-hmm. Um, the big thing that, like, when I did go through and find something that jumped out at me, they're good in the red zone, both offensive right. and defensive. Great kicker. They finish drives. Um, I think they're converting about 70% of the time. They're seventh overall in red zone offense efficiency, scores in the red zone. It's pretty good. But then when you look at touchdown rate, they're down at 38th. So they're kicking a good, fair amount of field goals. Yes. But they've had some ball security issues. They've lost 14 fumbles this season. Man. That's a team. And then on defense, they forced 21 turnovers, but 17 of those are interceptions. They're secondary. They've got ball hawks. Mm-hmm. So, but Don't need to worry gonna, about that. Right. Kentucky, <laughs> you know, in theory, is not going to throw it uh, that many times. So, advantage plays Kentucky. And then when I watch Virginia Tech on defense, if I had to compare them to one Kentucky scene, it would be Tennessee because they got the bodies up front. They're going to roll them in and out. And then they've got some playmakers at linebacker and in the secondary. 
I just can't but, have another Daniel Batuli. But the difference is Tennessee. Don't let that happen. Tennessee does not give up big plays on the ground. That's what they do best. Virginia Tech ranked seventieth, seventieth in the country. Excuse me, in twenty plus yard runs allowed. Seventeen. 55th and 30-plus yard runs allowed. So, Ugh. that's advantage Kentucky. So, that – when I look at that number – because when you look at the run defense just in general, they're 31st in yards per carry allowed. So, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. But I think they can be a little susceptible to the big play because in that four-two-five, they're, you know, going on blitzes with the safety and mixing stuff up. Right, right. And I think they're going to have times where they blow stuff Kentucky does up. Like, you could see a couple three and outs like – a lot of the Missouri game, but I think you could also see you got guys a big just running play, into a wall of right, bodies. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, and but you can also blitz your like. There's nothing better than when you watch them run like a stunt away from like you just got the whole defensive line sight in one way, and, and you run a counter the other way. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, it is a thing of beauty. Um, Miami's getting ready. Miami to, didn't score, by the way. Yeah, they didn't score. They're punting on fourth and fourteen. Uh, they're getting ready to fire their offensive coordinator and Jaron Williams. I don't know what he thought he was. Punting from the 39. I don't know. Like, like imagine if Jaron Williams had an offensive line or an offensive coordinator. He's going to have three different offensive coordinators in his four years, I think. Um, they got Nikosi Perry in the game. What a disaster. Well, it'll be his third in three years. At least their punter has a lot of cool tattoos. Third in three years. Mm -hmm. Jesus. I'll be very interested to see who Diaz hires. Yeah, he needs somebody. Um, the other big stat, the one that really jumps off the page more than anything, and this is where you've got to talk me off a ledge like it. What's up with it? They've been terrible against running quarterbacks, and, like, not even good ones either. The guy at Duke had 100 rushing yards against him. They lost to Duke 45-10 to 10 at home. I know that this was earlier in the season, but it's 45-10 to 10 at home. So, please, like it, I'm just – I want to just say – Damn it! This is an ACC team that has like I, I I'm I'm getting to the, the the formulating the opinion that Kentucky finally drew a brand name that's actually not good. Mm -hmm. They've been drawing a lot of good not brand names in previous years. You had Georgia Tech uh, and you had Northwestern, who were really good teams, but nobody cares about. You just think they stink because of their name. Well, as Virginia Tech, everybody thinks they're good, but. There's a reason why Fuente's getting rid of three people. And, like, is Bud Foster, quote-unquote, retiring, or is he being forced out? I mean, he wouldn't let his right-hand man, the defensive line guy, Charlie Wiles, mm -hmm. I believe his name, he wouldn't let him play in the last game. He's like, ah, you're, 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 you're getting out of here, buddy. You can stay, but the guy was like, dude, screw you. I'm getting the hell out of here. So, I think there's a reason why they're having all this shift change. I mean, you – you gave up a hundred rushing yards to Duke's quarterback. I just can't. I can't get over that. I can't get over uh, a couple other uh, numbers I wrote down. Yeah, uh, the guy for UVA, Bryce Perkins, had 164 yards and two touchdowns, N almost nine yards of carry. Old Dominion's quarterback had two touchdowns and 50 yards, probably more if it wasn't for the sack. I didn't. I didn't go into that much detail. In Ian Books, he's not exactly an athlete. He's even getting 50 yards on him. So I'm just. At the point, oh, they're showing Frank Beamer getting carried off the field at the Independence Bowl. That was the last game, I think, a few years ago. I thought some person. But I just – I'm having a hard time seeing why, uh, other than name alone, you, you, I would just say, oh, I guess Bud Foster. Bud Foster game. How are they going to be able to stop Bowden Ball? Two words with Virginia Tech just to kind of give a recap of their season. Youth movement 
there was a lot of bad stuff going on with Fuente last year. There was reports out coming out after the season that there were some, you know, upperclassmen that didn't want to win. Uh, a game. They had to win and beat Marshall in a, in a rescheduled game because of storms. Yeah, it was like a hurricane. So they had to play yeah. that championship, conference championship weekend, and they had to win that game to continue their bowl streak. This is tw- this will be 27. It's the longest active streak mm-hmm. now that Florida State uh, went out last year. So there were a lot of guys that – that was a rumor. I think I believe it was Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated that reported it. So, yeah. so all that stuff is just swirling around, swirling around Fuente. They come out, they lose to Boston College first game. They they play with their food. They mess around with some FCS opponents, and then on a Friday night, Duke goes into Blacksburg and kicks their teeth in. So I think really Fuente probably made some grown up decisions. Then they decided to get really young. And by really young, what I mean is two true freshmen starting on the offensive line. One is from Scott County. Uh, Brian Hudson. Brian Hudson's their starting center. They have one senior that starts, and that's on defense. That's Reggie Floyd, one of those big safeties I was talking about. Everyone else should be coming back next year. So they just went all youth movement. They went. They got rid of the old guard. Right. Right. They went all. They went young. And they went down and got a, a victory at Miami. And then Hooker played well. And then they just kind of rode some momentum to end the season. So, for me, when I look at them, you kind of have to throw those games out because they're just a different team for the Which rest is, of the season. That's fair. That's fair. Um, kind of like when you look at Kentucky. You can't even – I don't even like to look at the defensive numbers from earlier in the season, like before mm-hmm. Bowling took over, because it's just different. They were playing a lot more snaps. Yeah. Than playing, they are now. Getting behind the chains right. and the turnovers and whatnot. Um so that that makes that adds up now. And I was I needed that answer because when I was just looking at the raw numbers, I'm like, what, what the hell? None of this makes sense. But it also it makes me less um the the easy storyline for this game is that we're gonna win one for the Gipper. And while that's all good and nice and all, I think that like it really is pretty inconsequential as to what's actually going to happen in the game. First things first, bowl games are weird. Louisiana Tech's winning seven to nothing, seven minutes in the fourth quarter. They're 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 hard to handicap, man, because you don't know how that motivation is going to work. Which team's going to be excited to be in North Carolina? Which team is not going to be excited? And all of that. Does, are they going to? Is it going to be a rally of the troops moment for Bud Foster, or do they have that moment already when they pitched a shutout against Pittsburgh in the last home game at Lane Stadium for Bud Foster? Carried them off the field right. then, right? Are they ready to move on? It's with their new defensive coordinator who's on the staff right now, Justin Hamilton, who's their secondary coach. Mm-hmm. You know, all that all that kind of stuffs in play. And I, I think it also and, you have to consider the other side mm-hmm. with Kentucky. Mm-hmm. They thought they were going to Jacksonville. I'm sure most of the team thought that. Hey, uh, really? We got to go to Charlotte now? We're going to sit in a NASCAR? Right. We're going – like, it's basically the NASCAR Bowl, what I've come to realize, too. My my brother, he – two of his friends played at Louisville, and they went to the Belk Bowl twice. Yeah. And the way they talked about it, it wasn't their best bowl experience. This is also the second time that they've been. Uh, Virginia Tech went in 2016. Right, two years ago. Or three years ago. And that was – the infamous uh, Arkansas shoplifting situation mm-hmm. during the Belk shopping spree. Jeremy Sprinkle. Yeah. And they had the 24-point comeback for G-Tech did. Yeah, the largest comeback in school history. Um, but So, I think there's questions on either side about motivation. But 
if there's any motivation in doubt, I like to lean on a big-ass offensive line. Right. Well, when you look at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, Kentucky's going to have an advantage against a deep Virginia Tech defensive line, but not overly big and not overly talented. And then on the offensive side of the football, Virginia Tech's really young. Not only do they tart those two freshmen, but their other three starters are sophomores. Ooh. And now they have some size. All of them are over 300 pounds, it looks like. But I think Kentucky has the advantage with their front against Virginia Tech. With a bunch of old dudes line. who are right. playing in their last game. Right. You know, I mean, does like this Virginia Carter Tech, and Calvin Taylor want to leave on a loss? Yeah. This no. Virginia Tech offensive line should be good, but they're they're not at that level yet. So I think that should be advantage Kentucky. When you've seen them play against good defensive lines, Virginia, Notre Dame, this is a group that has struggled a bit. I think that something that's going to be important too is you talk about Virginia Tech wanting to take shots. This is a secondary where there's a lot of guys who they were paying attention on signing day to who got signed. It's true. They were looking at who's coming in this spring, the guys that are practicing early in these bowl practices. Because you got to think, there's maybe like five of the 15, 10 of them they treat like a spring practice. Give or take. I mean, most of this is let's get the young guys involved. There's a lot of guys who are playing in the secondary this year that will not be next year. And they have to use this bowl game as a trout to say, look what I did on tape. I deserved to be playing next year. And that that's where if you want motivation to be a factor or anything along those lines, I'm, I'm, I'm confident Kentucky secondary is going to play well. That's that is a long way for me to get to that. And they're not going to have weather in their factor, it looks like, this Man, week. I'm t- forecast, it's going to be 60 like every day we're down there. Have you seen the Jacksonville forecast for – Is it nasty? 77 and sunny. It's going to be the – well, It's it rains the next day, but it's looking like that game's going to be played on yeah, perfect as, conditions. as good as it can get yeah. there that time of year. Yeah. So, well, either, <laughs> either way, they were get, they're good playing in – Decent weather. I think it's going to be looking like 52 and sunny with a little win at kickoff for mm-hmm. Kentucky, Virginia Tech. So Plenty of time to change between that. Pretty Be- good forecast for for Charlotte on New Year's Eve. Yeah, before the game, so uh, I kind of alluded to this is like the NASCAR Bowl. Mm-hmm. I guess that's all Charlotte has is banks and NASCAR because their stadium. Coca-Cola. Is that what, Coke's in there? Yeah. Yeah. So NASCAR well, – Coke's big, bigger in Atlanta, but close enough. Um, but – so, I want their Saturday schedule. I'm just going to explain their Saturday schedule. At 11:30, they've got the NASCAR Experience at Charlotte Motor Speedway. So both teams will be there. They're going to have a chi- a tire changing contest <laughs> with pit crews and everything. So they're going to have a pit crew off. They also each player gets to go three laps around, which mm-hmm. is going to be pretty cool. But there's going to be a lot of sitting around and waiting to go around three times. Right. You know. Um, and so that's in the morning. At night, they're having their Belk Bowl shopping spree at like 6.30. So that means the only time they can practice on Saturday is Saturday afternoon at 3.30. At 3.45, Kentucky and Louisville tip off in basketball. And at 4 o'clock, college football playoff kicks off. So that was the hand they got dealt by the Belk Bowl folks. Who, by the way, the Belk Bowl people, they're losing their title sponsor. The Charlotte Sports Commission. So they're searching for a title sponsor. 
And that's what they're pitching to their teams this year is their big day of fun is that Saturday. I think they've always done that, that, that race thing and then the belt shopping spree. But on that Saturday. <sighs> yeah, I – I'm just unhappy. I mean, I don't I'm know. selfish in like I, I got to download some app to watch the UK game, but nonetheless, it's still like that's a busy day. When that's a day that you would rather just be sitting around. I'm guessing it's the kinda, hotel pool. It's kind of the only day you could do it is probably two days before the two. So that would be three days before the game. Yeah. Well, let that well. I was thinking that you know it'd be their normal. Thursday kind of walk through. They would do it that day where you have that oh, Thursday like practice. It's not, it's yeah, not it's it's doing the Wednesday heavy practice. So the following day, they're um, they're they're doing a charity event, and then they have get this like it. You'll never believe where they're having their big dual team dinner at. Oh no! Shoot. NASCAR Hall of Fame. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> um, Richard Petty will be there. Yeah, maybe so. So they're going to NASCAR Hall of Fame. They'll probably do like a chicken wing in contest. Right. There's nothing more embarrassing than Mike Edwards' hot chicken eater. What did they do in last Orlando year? last year? <clears throat> what was the thing down there? Uh, they went to Universal. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. And they also – their charity event was – that was one of the cooler things is they went to like, you know, the – the county fair version of an amusement park in Orlando, and they took like they they teamed up and took little kids with them. Yeah, I remember from, like, that. On the charities. I remember that. That, that was, that was really cute. Um, they had one other thing that was pretty cool. Dave and Buster's. Dave and Buster's. Yeah, yeah. So I guess they're trading Dave and Buster's for Belk. You know, whatever. Um, Never been to Belk. Their own. Yeah, me neither. I, I'm going to have to go because I just to say I've been. I've never been to a Belk. I've seen the mannequins. They always – Belk would sponsor a lunch at ACC Media Days, and you have mannequins dressed in their Belk attire, which I believe is just pastels. And, right. And, like – You ever seen the patterns Jim McElwain Belk? Belk commercial? Oh, God. See, I at least missed a lot of them because they were on the SEC Network broadcast. So, I was at least, you know, lucky enough to well, – I mean, it's your typical what would be on kind of Jefferson Pilot commercial, but <laughs> – it's just awkward Jim McElwain getting dressed up by ladies of Belk. You really need, uh, like, a golden flake. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's old school JP. Oh, yeah. Um, but as for the game, the day before for fans, so the place they call this, they call it the Epicenter. and I think they have, for those Louisvillians going down there, like the model of Four Street Live That's is, what, is came from this. I'm pretty sure. Maybe the same architect or something. It's yeah. It's Epa, and then instead of just Epicenter, it's a capital C and then the T R E instead of T E R. So it's mm. fancy. Um, but that's going to be the spot. It, definitely the day before because that's where they have the pep rallies are going to be. Right. Uh, December 30th from seven to eleven. So that should be fun. Uh, I I will definitely be there. For that, and, and I'll probably be there a lot because I, th- I hear there's a lot of different places to check out there. So that should be exciting. And then – That's where you find your watering holes. During the – in the mornings too, we're uh, bringing the radio equipment down there. I'm doing radio with TJ, Kentucky Roll Call. If you haven't listened to us, do that. we got a bunch of different ways to listen. I tweet it out every morning. It goes from 7 to 9, and we have a podcast on iTunes. Y'all doing it Monday and Tuesday or just Monday? Yeah, so Tuesday, we're basically we're going to be a 7 a.m. pregame show. There you go. So, yeah, we're up and at them early. Uh, it should be a good time. I think we're just going to be doing them from the Marriott Hotel lobby. 
That's where the media hotel is. So. Probably easiest that way. Yeah, yeah. But so there's a lot happening down there. I d- I'm sure there's some sort of like there's got to be some sort of alumni association that does a Charlotte UVL like for like a UK UVL game. Yeah, there will be something down there. I'm sure UK will tweet it out later this week. Yeah, yeah. So we'll get that to you on KSR. Um, but I'm excited to to check out someplace new. I'm going to gas up the cats real hard because the thing that does stink about this like it is like it's our last game with Lynn Bowden. Yeah. Like that's that's a bummer. It's gonna be the end of an all time run. These last what, seven games. Yeah. What he's put on. Man. So yeah. It's gonna hopefully we they can send him out with a win. I was um we were doing we were getting together some like superlatives for a post that we're doing with Freddie. Do you get an open practice down there? Yeah, that's what the open practice is. So I'm gonna be like right, trying dude. to open practice cats and cards and open practice. Oh, it's during that time. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> and also too, open practices for bowl games. It's all hanging out. Right. You know, better than nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not like uh, open summer practice. Right. Where you get to see actual real practice. It was kind of fun last year because it was all those seniors just like, you know, hanging out. Josh Allen. Mike Edwards just right. like, they they know that like this is the last hurrah, so they're just having a good time. I'm interested to see some of these young kids because we just haven't seen them. Right, you know, like Justin Weaver Jr. <coughs> He's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Jared Casey, those guys, they're pretty good. So, uh, it, and Devonshire, some of those guys we really haven't seen. Yeah, at all. No, no, not at all. Did you um, did you hear what Pecoro said on KSR last week? I did not. Yeah. Uh, we found out what Sawyer Smith's injury was. What was it? Dislocated shoulder or separated shoulder, whatever it was. I'm assuming non-throwing arm if he came back in. And then it was broken bone in the wrist. Wrist. Yeah. That's what I figured. I so knew it was something. It was shoulder lines. and a wrist. So left dislocation of the shoulder. Yeah, and I think right wrist. Right wrist. Bro- broke. He said broken bone in the right wrist. Yeah. <laughs> it's brutal, man. Yeah. So See, I was telling uh, some people during the South Carolina game, I was like, man, you know, people are getting mad at him. I was like, this guy's hurt. I'm assuming he hurt that shoulder against Mississippi State at the end. Yeah. Because he went into the locker room in that Mississippi State second half. And then they thought they were going to have to play Walker Wood. But Mm -hmm. I think Mississippi State had a long possession, so he came out of the locker room in time. And they said he was going to get x-rays, I'm pretty sure. But you know how Kentucky is. They're pretty mute on all that stuff. Yeah. It also – doesn't it kind of make you wish that, like, like if they just said what it was, it would have been better for the kid and all parties involved? It's just how they operate college ball. It's all strategy. you just got to get used to it, I guess. Yeah, there's nothing you can really do about it. And Stoops comes from that Jimbo tree, so we're lucky we get anything at all. That's true. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't expect anything from those guys. Um, but, yeah, it, it'd be nice if they had, like, a – if we had a legit – Injury report like the NFL does, where they have to release something each day. They'd be pretty. Neat. But then if we also had that, we could go to practice. You know, we could go to training camp for the first three weeks too, which would be nice every day. Yeah, just to see him. Yeah, man. And I have a throw. Like the more I've talked today, the more I hate. Like I also did all the talking at the holiday party, so I'm not in a talking mood. So forgive me for not being more juiced up right now. <coughs> I'm one of those two. I'm a big Christmas music fan. I just get so bummed out when it's not on. So, 
I'm going to be a lot more gassed up once we actually get down to Charlotte, get to Belk Bowl. Got a journal in Rush. will hit you once you pull into the city. So, we're going to hear a lot about uh, the the lunch pail defense like it. Yeah, that's something I was going to bring up. Can you, can you just kind of give us like a, you know, I – I'm assuming that it was just the turnover chain before the turnover chain. Yeah, kind of. It Frank Beamer and Bud Foster, they kind of just wanted to build like this blue-collar type defense. So at some point they found this old rickety lunchbox from the coal mines. Yeah, they actually had to like do a lot of – the one story I stumbled across it from like the Roanoke Times uh, – was that like they they went into knickknack shops like pretty much all over mm-hmm. West Virginia, Virginia, and Kentucky trying to find the perfect lunch pail. Here here's the story. Nineteen ninety five, Foster served as co D C with Rod Sharpless, whose mother in law found the original lunch pail in Mercerville Mercerville, excuse me, Virginia, New Jersey. The pail once belonged to a coal miner and after a record setting defensive season, the lunch pail became an iconic part part of Hokies lore. So I guess it was just kind of like something they grabbed that year as kind of a rallying cry or whatever, like the turnover chain. Right, right. And it just – It's stuck. Yeah, it's been a sticky point ever since. And it travels with them every game. And you'll see them on the sideline. Well, one player gets to carry it out. That's kind of like their honor there. And I think that's uh, Ashby is is their guy who carry, he right. carried usually, it like all season. It's usually like their dude on defense, yeah. Yeah. Um, and – the guy I mentioned previously, Charlie Wiles, their defensive line coach who won't be at the game, he uh, – Bud Foster said he's giving Wiles the lunch pail after the game. So he's going to get to keep it. At the end of the era for the lunch pail defense, which I think if you played out a few scenarios like it, there's, there's, uh, we we could have a Frank Beamer meme zero zero going into overtime. Oh yeah, I could definitely see that. <laughs> like, because bowl games a get weird, but you got two really good defensive teams, and you got a Virginia Tech team that's turned the ball over a lot. Mm-hmm. What if Lynn Bowden gets a little loose, loose with it? What if Kentucky's like, screw it, Eddie Grant's like, we're gonna throw it a little bit more, I'm just to throw off Bud Foster. Because if you think about times when Eddie Grant's had these big matchups, mm-hmm. he does he does outsmart himself sometimes. He did it real bad in Texas A&M last year. I thought about that, but Tech has so many ball hawks in that secondary. I just don't think this is the opponent for it. Gotcha. It, which you're probably right. But really nothing would surprise me in this game. I think the one thing that would surprise me is a blowout just because Kentucky's got him up front. And I think that just mitigates right. a lot of chance for any sort of yeah, I would lopsided be effort. Blowout either way. A win by more than two touchdowns either way would shock me. Two, two touchdowns, I think, be stretching it. I would love, just absolutely love, a nice – like that first Tennessee drive. What was it, like 16 plays? 17 plays. <laughs> Took up 12 minutes of time. Mm-hmm. I, that would be a lot of fun to just really set the tone early on. And Mark Stoops, he's he's typically a kicking guy. At some point in this game, both these head coaches are going to get into kind of a field position battle. At some point, you're going to see, I think, three to four to five punts traded back and forth. And their punter is averaging over 46 yards in attempt. 
46.7 yards. So he's a really good punter too on top of what Duffy does. So I think that could be a key in the game. At some point in the middle, I think we're going to get into a little bit of a punt fest. But who ends up winning that punt fest, whether it's oh, yes. That's who wins the field position, who gets the big return, all of that, I think, oh, no. <laughs> Is that fourth down? If you are not watching the no, Independence Bowl. Oh, man. We just had four flags fly in like six seconds. There was a very bad hold. And then when they went to sack Nikosi Perry, he juked away and they just like almost ripped his head off by his face mask. Wow. What a play. God, this, this is almost like Cheez-It Bowl of last year. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and watch this one. Yeah. Because it's pretty, pretty ridiculous. Man. I really hope the fighting Chris Creighton's. I've tried to get a couple of people to, to give me uh, Eastern Michigan tonight. Nobody will take it. Nobody wants to bet against both these games the are brick in, wall Both defense. these games tonight, or yesterday, as you're listening, are interesting because it's two G5 teams playing a Power 5 team in their own backyard. Yeah. Ruston to Independence where the – or to Shreveport where the Independence Bowl is. It's like an hour away. Ypsilanti is it's, just like 40 minutes to Detroit. If that. Eastern, it's if basically that, a suburb. Right. right yeah. And – they're playing Pitt, who I don't think Pitt's going to be bringing too many people to Detroit. And Pitt, the Pitt and Eastern Michigan, though, are the perfect just like ugly oh, style. It's going to be awesome. They're they're twelve point favorites though. Who right. who who did the it's drugs he, and started betting? It's because Eastern Michigan's defense is bad this year. Yeah, oh well, I still got my my uh, my glass bowl. How have I forgotten? Like that, that shows you where my brain's at right now. The brick wall. What are they? Uh, blue collar. The, the factory. The factory. Gosh, I could not think of the damn name. Oh, yeah, interception. Oh, man, this is electric. Through interception. This is electric. Gosh, bowl season's great, which this is the part of the podcast where I should plug that if you're watching these games at KS Bar, you, you can predict each one for a chance to win five grand. It's pretty easy. So do you have to get the score right? You don't even have to get it right. You just have to be the closest one of the people at the bar at the time. And then you're a finalist who shows up for the college football playoff game, and whoever gets closest then wins five grand. Let me ask you something, Nick. Yes. The bowl trip, the players get perks. Do the media get any perks? Ooh, good question. So, I'm interested what this one is. But Citrus Bowl media perks were electric. So, at the Citrus Bowl – they had a hospitality suite that was pretty much open 24-7 for media, which is they got coolers full of beer. and That's just in the hotel? Yeah. It's just like a suite at a hotel that's got cooler full of beer. People can go and hang out in, I guess? Yeah, and they got snacks, but and then sometimes they'll have food catered like at different parts of the day. So like after the game, gotcha. after the bowl game, we came back and didn't have to worry about food. We could just kind of crash, eat, have a couple beers, and, you know, go, go to sleep. Do whatever, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But what was really cool is they had media outings last year at the Citrus Bowl. And one of those was Dave and Buster's, all you could play, and like a little buffet of like chicken fingers and, you know, food, you know, Dave and Buster's food. And you could like, I could plus one my wife too. So like we ate, drank, had a good time, and then played games for as long nice as we deal could for there. an hour. And then they had they had a college football playoff watching party. That's probably why I'm so upset that UK's open practices during it this time. Yeah, because last sucks, year man. they just had it at a like they rented out a room at a bar. You'll get to and see all the big game. Just tore it up. 
Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah. I saw something where the Ohio State Clemson game, half the money, like almost even split at 50-50. It was like 50.4 to 50.6% of the money was split in that game on where the money was going. Oh, yeah. Clemson minus two. In Vegas, I have heard a few people that love Clemson and a few other people love Ohio State. So Yeah, I don't I, – I, I just go back to even though Ohio State's been kind of backsliding a little bit, I see that as they're playing their best teams and they know what it's like to get punched in the mouth. Whereas like Clemson, oh. Right. You know, like mm-hmm. what what are you going to do when you get punched in the mouth? You haven't punched in the mouth in did a the, year. Did, it, is the schedule going to win out? It's the team that's been tested more going to be the one that wins out in that. Whether the uh, Versus the team who's kind of slow built it and tried to peak to this point in the season. Yeah, I'm very very interested to see that because the numbers with Clemson, you know, they're they're really good, but were they are they a pe- do they have any type of paper champion in them at all? Where they've just they're just smothering bad teams, you know, not necessarily bad teams, just teams that they're just you know two or three tiers above. Yeah, it. And it, but you also have on the other hand too, where like they are really freaking like Travis Etienne. Really freaking And T. Good. Higgins is balling it. Their receiver, number five, T. Higgins, has been a freak show the last month of the season. So, I don't know. I, I also, like – Scary thing with Clemson, whenever you play them, they've got freakazoids at receiver and those jump balls that are either incomplete or down right there if they catch it against everyone else turn into 78-yard touchdowns. Like, that's how they blew – that's how they blew the top off Alabama. Those one-on-ones, they caught and ran for scores – Against anybody else, that ball's either out of bounds, incomplete, or right, they're down right. as soon as they catch it. So that's the th- that's the scary part I think about Clemson. But uh, I think Ohio State has got the O line. I think they got the running game to really keep Clemson off balance, both with the quarterback and with Dobbins. So I mean, I'm just very interested to watch that game. I think it's, it's going to be, be awesome a really game. good game. I'm excited to watch it, um, and I. Now, this is also me marrying into Ohio State family. Yeah, what are, what's their feel of the game? I mean, they're just, like, excited for it. And they're, they're, they've jumped on the scheduling thing where, you know, right. Clemson hadn't played anybody. But I've also just learned to – I know a lot of people in Kentucky hate Ohio State. Yeah, I hate Clemson so much more now. Dabo can kick rocks. Right. I'm so sick of his bull crap. He can get the hell out of here. Just like Jack Pilgrim can get the hell out of here. Hey, see you later, Jack. Salute. Um so I I'm all the way out on Dabo. What I'm all the way in on, like it, is I'm all the way in on. What's the over under for Oklahoma LSU? Seventy six and a half. I sure. just I want that over so bad. Just to say you could play. Oh it, I man, know, man, I I want I want the over so bad because here's the thing. LSU they're they just keep getting better and better. They've gotten better as the season's gone along. But I still think Jalen Hurts is such a like they 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 their style with him at quarterback is so different mm-hmm. than anything they face that he's going to score some points and I'm hoping that we at least get a fun little shootout for a little while. Just I'm so inter- Jalen Hurts gets one fi- final last ride. I'm interested in his game plan because I could see a scenario where he kind of spreads them out, but they just bleed that clock and just run the ball on LSU, and then if they get a couple turnovers maybe early. They maybe just try to sit on it and run, you know, let the clock wind down. But, they're, they're, I mean, there's not going to be much stopping for them on LSU yeah, unless it's no, in, no. self-inflicted wounds by 
purple and gold. You, you're, I didn't hear your boy Grinch in a lot of – it's one guy who, towards the end of the year, he didn't get a lot of play for those big – his name yeah, went in there. I was surprised but he wasn't brought up at all at Missouri. That surprised me. But Were you surprised Barry Odom didn't get a call from Justin Fuente? Yeah, I was a little bit. I don't know what that relationship is or was. It it was kind of weird to me that you get rid of Fuente – or, excuse me, you get rid of Foster – but you just promote a guy that's all Virginia Tech too. Yeah, and they hired a dude, right? The the former linebacker. Yeah, uh, Daryl Tapp. He was like an All American, like edge yeah. player, like in the mid two thousands. Right. So you're just getting more Bud Foster guys. Right. So so there's a weird, I think, dynamic with keeping the culture, the Virginia Tech kind of lunch pill culture, but also gotta keep, got to keep bringing your lunch. But also Fuente trying to establish his own. And when you look at Virginia Tech. Their recruiting class this year stinks right now. They've got about 15 recruits, no blue chips. They're towards the bottom of the ACC. And so it's, it's, this is a weird time right now. He might just be trying to just get on get some recruiters in there. That might be why he's doing that getting tap and that Justin Hamilton. Yeah, maybe so. And he, I think he replaces receiver coach too. But who knows? Uh, I'm interested to see if – oh, there goes Louisiana Tech. Rustin away. Oh, and he slides. They're going to lose 7 nothing. That's hilarious. No timeouts left. They might be close to kneeing it out, Tom. Gosh, Miami's going to lose to Louisiana Tech. Skip Holtz undefeated. Louisiana Tech in bowls. Man. Skip Holtz. Miami's going to drop to 1-9 and nine in their last 10 bowl games. I, I don't know. I, I guess I thought he had moved on. But he used to have some fun games when uh, Brom was at uh, Western Kentucky. When he was at ECU? Well, no. It, oh, yeah, Louisiana Tech, yeah. Yeah, and they, yeah. he had Jeff Driscoll, which hilarious that Jeff Driscoll and David Blau now are like the Lions quarterbacks. I <laughs> know. Gosh. Um, man, Jeff, he, he, Sindelar decided he's not going to play. I saw that. Was that a surprise? I think so. I also think it was – why are you – why, why aren't you – come on. Why, why are you, might just be so many injuries he's just – Which I can't blame him. You, you blow your knees out and shoulders out that much. Ready to go drink some beer. Yeah, yeah. So, I can't blame him too much. Um, okay. We also got to talk about the game that – who do you want – just a ridiculous – going to be a ridiculous matchup. Mississippi State and Louisville. Our boy Joe Moorhead – those wheels are shaking. He's got defensive, a defensive player punching his quarterback in the face after practice, breaking his face. He broke his face. Broken orbital bone in his face. And now Garrett Trader, your QB1, the guy who has been your best option all year, is out for the bowl game against Louisville. A game that you, you needed to, to – this. You got your first vote of confidence, but they could have really used a bowl bump. And now they don't have QB1 going to the Music City Bowl. One of the two guys in that punchy melee has to be the ultimate turd. <laughs> Even a defensive lineman is just a straight-up punk or an idiot or just being, just being a jackass, for no other words. Or straighter – it's such a turd that no – like, they're jawing back and forth with the reports, and no old lineman is going to step in and 
make sure nothing happens. Yeah. So or maybe what, or or Schrader, he's a North Carolina guy. He's a Charlotte guy. Maybe he, he is. maybe he just thinks he's such a badass that he can take a lick from anybody. And one of these dudes from Mississippi <laughs> <laughs> was like, no, "You ain't taking nah, this punch, buddy." No, nah, brother. Oh man. So, oh, I mean, to what be kind a of, fly on the wall. Oh, I know. <laughs> what kind of locker room ineptitude? God, he got going on over there. And then I keep going back to that. Feinbaum was in town. Oh, that and he interview. grilled the hell out of Moorhead and uh, Cohen, their AD. John Cohen, yeah. And they they all kind of gave nondescript answers. So I was with you, and I was like, well, he's gone for sure. Yeah. But he's still here. We'll see how. <sighs> Man, Joe goes. Moorhead. That was weird. Are there any other uh, big bowl games that you want to you wanna get to? Cause, and just on that note, Louisville has a chance of winning now. I thought Mississippi State was just going to be running down their throat. But if you got Tommy Stevens in right. there, they're that so helps. weird. That they're so sure. weird. So I think Louisville actually has a shot now. Um, before we talk again, I think we're going to have Alabama, Michigan. And is Saban just kept all of the people not playing quiet? Or are no. they all playing? There were some reports out that most of them were going to play. The two big ones were Trayvon Diggs, starting corner number seven, and Terrell Lewis, edge rusher number 24. They're not playing, but both of those guys have serious injury histories. Okay. So it made sense. But, like, all those receivers, like, they're all playing. And Harbaugh, man, he <laughs> dude can't catch a break sometimes. <laughs> you know? I mean, so now they're all playing. And there are more people playing than, you, than we probably thought going into the season, in I my think, opinion. I think they – I mean, they shouted it on the Independence Bowl, but I do think there's a serious Josh Allen bump where, like – I think NFL scouts like the competitiveness. Now, they're going to understand if you're a running back and you're, you know, like I, I think they're going to have some situations where they get it. But I think – You're a Fournette or McCaffrey. Yeah, exactly. But I think everyone else, though, they're like, well, this this makes plenty of sense. Well, and you look at a guy like Jalen Smith, he he's still making $20 million or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, it just cost him that first big paycheck. Yeah, but he's still got his, his second big paycheck. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think that uh, there was a big overreaction. And what NFL scouts are telling these guys is we want to see how you do on a big stage. And Josh Allen proved it last year. Now, he didn't end up getting that number one overall bump, but still got top ten money. Yeah. So – and the, but the Alabama receivers, that surprises me because all those guys are first-round picks. Yeah. There's also – I bet playing Michigan, like, you want to kick their ass. Right. You know? that, that helps for yeah, sure. Yeah. The logo, like you're for not, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. We get to watch a lot of football over the next few days. My number one game, I'm going to be drunk as a skunk tweeting cheese bowl, cheese it bowl. Like, I, it's going to be I, – I already know. That I'm going to yeah, be in that be, hotel room. It's going to be fun. Slamming down some – I got a lot of Christmas bourbon this year. It was – I guess they're like – Nice little selection. Baby stuff and bourbon. So, mm-hmm. I, got, I think they're trying to tell me something. Get it in while you can. Kansas State plays Navy in the Liberty Bowl. New Year's Eve, I think it's the game after Kentucky, Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Game might end in two hours and 20 minutes. <laughs> it's going to be nothing but running the ball. <laughs> a couple 10-minute drives sprinkled in there. Oh, man, some punts. Yeah. Yeah. And I got an inkling that Minnesota could be walking into a buzzsaw. 
down in Tampa. Who they got? Auburn. But that's a weird game in that neither team has their OCs. I mean, Malzahn is going to be yeah. calling the plays. Yeah, Malzahn calls the plays, so that's fine. But, yeah, Minnesota loses their offensive coordinator, you know, a week, a game week. Yeah. To Penn State. Right. A team you beat this year. Right. A team in your conference. And so, like, I just don't know what the dynamic there is. I think they could be kind of reeling because that Wisconsin game was huge. Yeah. And they went from potential Rose Bowl down to Outback Bowl, which is still a big game for them. But where's your confidence level? And then Auburn is fresh off that just annihilation of Purdue. I've never seen a football team beat somebody like Auburn did Purdue in the Mississippi Bowl last year. And that was off where they got kind of embarrassed against UCF. Yeah. And I'm also wondering if Georgia does the same thing to Baylor maybe next year. Where are they coming off that, that embarrassing performance against Texas? Look at old Skip Holtz getting the water bath. Oh, man, that's awesome. And do they bounce back and kind of make a statement against Baylor? And then, of course, the Rose Bowl, it's always fun to watch. Yeah, I do expect Georgia to just smack the hell out of Baylor. I think they have some paper tiger in them just because they're playing in the Big 12 and they are the only team that plays defense. Right. And just, well, if, if a pissed off Georgia team shows up, but there there won't be many punts in Mississippi State Louisville. I'm gonna tell you that right now. <laughs> no, no, no. Callen that Hill, total sitting at sixty three and a half. Callen Hill, does he get over three hundred? He's gonna get at least two fifty, right? Yeah, I mean he's getting two hundred, I would think for sure. Got to walk that up. Whatever prop bets they have out there on Uncle Bo, ooh, which by the way, you know, let's let's go ahead and do that right now. Let's just a quick scan to see. If they have that out there. Because it's got to be in your – whatever that line is, I went over it on Colin Hill rushing yards. So, I'm clicking on – let's see. Um, I'm just getting total points. No, I don't have any of those yet. But if you find one on Colin Hill, take that to the bank. And I'm taking Kentucky to the bank. I think – Slugfest, like we said, I think it's going to be a low-scoring, close game. I could, like the winner, I think gets to probably like twenty points. First one to twenty, I think's got a pretty good chance to win it. But like always, bowl games are weird, man. Like it wouldn't surprise me if Lynn Bogan comes out and throws for two hundred yards in this game. <laughs> you know, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. Things are going to get weird down in Charlotte. I'm excited to make the trip and be on the road all day tomorrow, uh, Friday, and then have a full slate of bowl games to watch. It's going to be a good time. Kentucky, we get to watch the big blue wall. Mow dudes down one more time. Enjoy Limboden while you got them. Enjoy it. It's going to be a fun ride. Last hoorah. And it's going to be a nice hurrah to ride into some off-season momentum for what will surely be an historic 2020 Kentucky football season. Thank you all so much for listening. Go Cats. Go Croker.